Hola, amor. Honk, honk. Hola, cariño. I just was like, I was like, did I just have a stroke? Because that's how we start a Christmas carol now in my show, is we sing Carol of the Bells. And I was like, and places, start, here we go. Ding, 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 ding. Wow, I love that song, actually. I do, too. Hola, amor, how are you? Good. Wait, say the name of our podcast. Oh, hello, Jesus Christ. Hello, and welcome to Uy, que horror, a Latinx horror movie podcast where we've got our shit together. My name is Johnny. And I'm Eileen. I my did, name is I Johnny? I, what, yeah, what, what? my name is Johnny, and my oh name my is Eileen. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I, I literally, when I was watching mm-hmm. the movie last night, I was like, I'm going to totally throw a wrench in the beginning. Because, guys, we're talking Christmas. Las Navidades. We are getting super, super Christmassy today, which yeah. I I am in just Christmas <laughs> overload right now. But I I'm... love Christmas time, so well worth it. Yeah, And sure. the movie we've picked today is a delight, so I'm so excited. But before we get into it, how are you doing? You look Christmassy, you look festive in your green sweater, your green <laughs> yeah, jumper. I'm wearing a green jumper, um, and my pants would say not Christmas at all because they're yes. pink and purple, but that's fine. Lovely. Um, uh-huh. I'm doing great. I'm, uh... <laughs> Dear listeners, if you would like to go over to TikTok and follow me, or maybe mm-hmm. even go to my Instagram, at Eileen Littlehands, you can see that I am currently going through a Bon Maman journey. Uh, it's e- a joy. <laughs> Everyone, it's a joy. I've never heard of this challenge. I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, it's just joy to the world. Uh, joy to the world. So Bon Maman, for those who don't know, it's a French jam, jelly, preserves kind of mm-hmm. company. They release an advent calendar this year. Mira, yo no tengo el sweet tooth. That's just not my thing. No, you don't. I Mm-mm. I don't. Not that I don't care for sweets. If it's in front of my face, bueno pues, pero like I never actively search. Yes. And my friend Jackie, who is a sweet, lovely bean, she gifted me for Christmas this advent calendar. Y todos los días I'm opening up a little door to find a tiny sample of a different a flavor door. of jam. And it's a little door. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so like every day is a different jam or jelly mm-hmm. or spread. And behind the door it says like peace to the world or you are Christmas. <laughs> Holiday. Shit like that. You yeah. are Christmas is definitely <laughs> one that's are coming. Christmas. Yeah. And so I decided I saw some lady on, on TikTok, I believe her name was something Pippa. And of course she, it was. Yeah, and she uh, and she started filming herself, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Entonces hoy me filmé in today's uh, flavor, mm-hmm. which I was very surprised was honey. It was ah. just like a teeny tiny jar of honey. Oh, so it was not a jam or a preserve no. or an it no. was, or a jelly. It was just honey. Just honey. And it was delicious and fantastic. So I usually have a little taste, make a face, mm-hmm. and then I post it and I hope that the internet gods will let people yeah. see it. I mean, highly recommended. Please check it out, people. What's your what's your TikTok? Eileen Little Hands. I'm Eileen like Little everywhere. Hands everywhere yeah. you go. Find her. It's my a hands joy. Are and it'll definitely make you want jam because I went to the store and was like, 
Mira, give me some of that Bon, ma, bon Maman. Is that what it's called? Bon Maman. I bought myself Which, a jar of Bon Maman Raspberry what flavor? Preserves. Raspberry. raspberry Preserves. Delicious. I love the tart. I love the tart. And let me just go ahead and say, guys, jams and jellies and preserves are not just for toast. Throw those motherfuckers in your cocktails. Pour that shit over your ice cream. I'm telling you, dog, there's lots of shit you can do. Anyways. A hunk of cheese. Hunk of frickin' cheese, bro. <laughs> Love it. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm just very quickly going to say that I am in my pajamas right now. <laughs> uh, my, my life is not in shambles. It's just there's a lot happening right now. Pero, like, literally not a day off. Moving Show, and grooving. Fucking week horror. Fucking make some dinner. It's like Lady it's Gaga. The, bus. I was going to say. Another club. Other club. Other club. Other bus. Concert. Plane. Meet club. the fans. Club. Whatever the fuck she says. Like that. But I honestly wouldn't have it any other way because you know what? We're making it work. Yeah. The both of us. Yeah. So let's talk about this movie today and uh, let's just admit right off the top that this is probably the stretchiest stretch this is that the we've ever stretched here. Cheese, this is this, we're talking cheese pull five thousand like <laughs> delicious uh, mozzarella stick <laughs> of a stretch. Yes, kind of stretch. Bo buscaste, bo fuiste. You fucking Nancy Drewed your ass to find anything. Yeah, to make I did. this work. I thought you were gonna say no. Honestly, absolutely I thought you were gonna say this no. movie is yeah. great. I am yeah. all for finding the absolute excuse to yeah. make it work when it comes to something that is going to be fucking dope. So ladies Hell and gentlemen, yeah. please welcome to the main stage, Jonathan. <laughs> Black Christmas. Yeah. 1974, like classic OG. ass Black Christmas, <laughs> who was not... This late she there she is not Latinx at all. She is from Canada, <laughs> but we'll, there is a gentle connection. Esta here. brother, esta brother, <laughs> se fue a México and like literally to the border. She crossed the line and said, "Mira, yo soy Latina ahora. Ahora yeah, yo soy yeah. Latina." Now I'm Latina. There is a gentle connection, which I think we should talk about. Yes, right off the top. Yes, and that is the fact that I discovered that Olivia Hussey, who is Jess, she is the star of our film. She was born in. Argentina. Well, not only was she born, but her uh-huh. dad is Argentinian. And aside from that, her dad is a famous An opera singer. Opera singer. And I'm going to say, because I looked him up, a tango singer. I think that's more what he's no known for is his way. Is a tango singer. Ooh, so we'll get more sexy. into that later. Okay. But I also do just want to say really quickly here that any person who listens to this podcast, if you actually do know of a movie, like a Christmassy holiday festive movie, it doesn't have to be Christmas, but like a festive holiday movie I will say yeah please let us know yeah because these two dummies over here we don't fucking know yeah all right so let's talk about this movie this is Black Christmas from Canada 1974 it was written by Roy Moore and directed by Bob Clark you ready to get all your uncle Bob Clark what if he was like what if he actually was I always say anybody that has a Clark last name that is my family member my uncle my my nephew, my long lost cousin. Okay. 
a synopsis, please. This synopsis is not from IMDb, so she's taking a, a day off today. This synopsis oh, okay. is from um, good old Jeff Bezos's fucking Amazon. Okay. And it says here, an ill-fated house full of sorority sisters celebrates the holiday season, but the festivities turn fatal when obscene phone calls break the serenity and it becomes clear that a psychopath is stalking the house. <gasps> Ready to go? Let's do this. Happy Back holidays. Back to college we Feliz go. Navidad. Prospero año. being in a sorority or a fraternity? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. All right. Here we go, everybody. Black Christmas. It is a cold, dark winter's night, <laughs> and we see a house lit up for Christmas, and we get our title card. Black Christmas, and in the back you hear Silent Night being sung. It's very creepy. And something you discover right off the top, because you get the, you know, you get the Black Christmas and you get the credits and you're like, this cast is stacked. Stacked. So we see a young woman arrive. She goes inside to she goes in the house to join the Christmas festivities inside. And then we get this POV shot from outside. And you hear like heavy snorting, breathing, approaching the house and watching from outside. It's immediately Very... so fucking creepy. Because the way that they use the camera. Like that, the camera movement of that POV mm -hmm. is very, very good at being like, this is someone's view. Like usually you're yes. like, it's either very fluid or a little too bonkers. This is just someone casually walking up to a house and the breathing underneath it, you're just like, no. I will also say that the camera work of the POV shot, even though like it's not shaky and all over the place, it is... It just feels unsettling in yes. the body where you're yes. like, I mean, aside from the horrible breathing, you're like, something's up with this person, whoever yeah. this is. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that they're peering into a fucking house. Sure. So we get this horrible POV shot and we see that inside the house, there's this Christmas party happening. And now we are we are actually inside the house and we meet Barb. Fucking Margot Barb. Kidder. Amazing. Margot with her choker <laughs> and her fucking cigarette. Barb is like this kind of boozy, smoky broad. <laughs> and so she notices that the front door is open, so she closes it, and immediately I thought, 70s. Oof. This movie what is the fuck? riddled with moments of like, wow, the 70s did not give a hot fuck about not anything. A, not a fuck. Not a fuck <laughs> at all. So we're back outside with what I called our creeper, our prowler, basically. Yeah. And this person crawls up the lattice on the side of the house. Which I'm like, mira, otra cosa que yo dije. In this day and age, esa mierda no existe. Porque Why? People are going to climb up there. You're giving people yes. a ladder. A, You're giving a, a them a ladder. A will pass by your house and be like, ah, there's Perfect. the way in. Thank <laughs> you. So this fucking person crawls up the lattice on the side of the house. And then we're quickly back inside with Barb, who she's, you know, she's drinking her whiskey. We meet some of these party people. Uh, we meet fucking Andrea Martin. Andrea Classic. Martin. 
Andrea Martin, just a star of the world. Uh, she, is, Her name is Phil, like Phyllis, and we meet Olivia Hussey, Jess, who is on the phone, and she's like, pardon me? Who is it? Who? Oh, I wrote, Barbara, I wrote, it's for you. I wrote who so big, because she's a ghost. Hello? Who? Hello? Who? And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, pardon me? Pardon so it's me, for Barbara. Who? And then... Quickly, we're back outside with our prowler, and we see that he's climbed into the attic. He enters through an open window into the attic. It's creepy as fuck in here. The music is all horse. like, what What are you doing in there, carousel <laughs> horse? But the music is also like, bling. But, Just but horrible oh, voices. It's horrible voices, and it's uh-huh. also lots of pling plongings on like wires on piano wires. It's very like bing, bling, bang. Yes, it reminded me of like some of the jump scare sounds in Insidious. Oh, sure. Remember that shit? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So back downstairs, Barb is on the phone with her mom, and the camera pans to a hatch in the ceiling. And then from the attic, this prowler opens the hatch and fucking crawls down the ladder into the house. And now this prowler can actually see Barb on the phone. So we find out that Barb has basically been disinvited to... (laughs) to Christmas with her mom and her family and she I'm says so sorry, to her mom but Barb I'm gonna go ahead and say that maybe your mom isn't wrong because as we watch this film Barb is a fucking asshole she's a piece of work <laughs> but she's like lovable cause it's fucking Margot Kidder and you I, I don't and know and because she's, she's like I'm drunk and I'm supposed I'm to be funny I'm drunk and fun yeah, and like but clearly quite troubled and she straight up says to her mom here she goes you're a real gold-plated whore mother you know that (laughs) whoa so so the call ends and barb is like hey jess phil why don't we go skiing instead and like just so much is said about barb in the first two minutes of this film you're like oh i know her yeah i know her we then meet another sorority sister this is claire She's saying bye her to her bear-coated boyfriend. Fucking Joe Montana-style jacket. Like I, I fucking hunted this, and I shot it, and I killed it, and I put it on my back. But here's the jam. Uh-huh. You're in fucking Canada. So I oh, bet huh. you that's I mean. everybody's got a fucking Kodiak bear on their fucking head. <laughs> Just, like, this is my coat. I'm fucking cozy as hell right yeah, now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so the phone rings. Jess picks it up and she's all, hello, hello, hello. And then she calls the girls over and she says, it's the Mona. So she holds up the phone and we hear screaming and choking and giggling and gurgling. And listen, I'm just going to give you a little bit of what this person says. But he's like, let me... He's basically like, let me lick it. <laughs> I can't shit. He's Say like, it, do it. I'll, I'll come over and you can suck it. And like, it's horrible. Yeah, it's like, horrible. I'm, this sounds hilarious and ridiculous, but this is the moment. I remember the first time I saw this movie mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, Black Christmas, it'll be just like a throwaway slasher. And this first, this first phone call is genuinely chilling. Oh. First of all, I believe his last name is Mancuso, the guy who uh-huh. did the voice of mm, of the mm-hmm. moaner. He every single voice you hear coming from that phone is absolutely bone chilling. A Ooh, yeah, yes. B 
they knew that this first phone call was going to establish the absolute fear inside of you. Yes. Y lo que hace el director, eh, not only are we hearing these horrible things, oh, you pig cunt, and your fucking cunt is piggy and snorting and whatever. Yeah. Pero el director, he pans over all these girls' faces yes. as they listen to this horrible phone call. And that's what really, I'm literally getting chills right it's now. That's horrible. What it really cements like, oh, this film is about women in danger. And absolutely having to just sit there and take it. And in the 70s, around this época, shit like this happened. Constantly. Where sorority sisters were murdered. Yes. Like, this is so scary. And, okay, so they get this horrible call, and Barb then grabs the phone, and she's, like, you know, confronting this person, but kind of, like, making light of the situation. Yeah. In a way, egging him on. Yes. Provoking him. Yeah. And the guy just says, because, you know, he's doing all these horrible voices. But then at the end of all that, he says as calmly as possible, I'm going to kill you. Click. It's that, that. Again, chills. It's truly terrifying because that's the moment that you're like, this isn't just a prank call. This is somebody that there's something bad there. Somebody just threatened your life. Yeah. So Claire says to Barb, don't provoke people like that. Like, Mm. remember, a town girl was just raped a couple weeks ago. And Barb Barb says to Claire, darling, you can't rape a townie. Damn, Barb. Really, girl? Again, okay, this moment of her saying that, it's supposed to be poor little rich girl because her mom is canceling on her and then she turns and is like, hey, everybody, let's go skiing instead. Mm. So that phrase alone, you're just like, okay, you're kind of a shitty person. And then she turns around and says this kind of shit. Like, the darling before it is very condescending. And then we find out that she's been kind of a fucking shit to this poor girl, Claire, too, because... Because she's a virgin or because she's not a drunk all the time. And it's like, mira, Barb, ya te entendimos, ya sabemos lo que es tu juego. And it's like, okay, which is why, sorry, not sorry, I don't fucking love Barb. I totally understand. I just, there's something about Margot Kidder that I just find, it's probably Superman. It's probably sure. that, that I grew I've up never with seen Superman. Superman. That I'm like, so that's probably why. And like Amityville horror that I'm just like, sure. Uh, fucking Margot Kidder. But she is... A <laughs> dick. I mean, this is an awful thing to say. See. Well, Claire is like, okay, bye, bitch. And so she goes upstairs to pack for, for Christmas break. Then we hear a knock at the door, and it's Mrs. Mrs. Mack who Mac. comes in, overloaded with gifts. The girls love her. She, I, she is the house mother, yeah. I guess, is what a sorority house has. I'm not sure. Sure. Who knows? But she, she lives in the house. She's all done up with the funny hat. She's just ridiculous. I, I mean, everybody's aunt, basically. Fucking Mrs. Mac. Oh Mrs. Mac, I like if I ever were to be cast in a film, I would love it to be Mrs. Mac. <laughs> in the fourth remake of this movie, <laughs> Give I, it to demand me. I demand Eileen Clark be cast as Mrs. Mac. Thank you. Uh holy shit. That would be amazing. <laughs> 
So we're in Claire's room now, and she finds this big, fluffy, white kitty who is adorable named Claude, Claude. and she begins to pack. She goes into her closet, and while she's in there, the camera slowly pans to a creepy face behind what I assume is like dry cleaning plastic, which you would wrap your dry cleaning in. Yeah. So scary. Claire goes back to her bed. She's packing, and she hears a meow. Now, answer me this. Uh Uh-huh. Is this the cat or is this the person in the closet meowing? Could you tell? No, because I'm going to be honest. I didn't hear uh-huh. a meow. I just heard oh. her be like, <laughs> I just heard her be like, Claude, Claude. Throughout and then... this movie, you do hear Claude meowing, but I think that it might also be this fucking prowler meowing as well, which is I'm gonna so I'm going to go ahead gross. and say this uh-huh. fucking guy, the prowler, yes. he should be a voiceover actor. He... 100%. <laughs> the talent... <laughs> There is major talent. Ese hombre talent. está en el, en, el, en el teléfono being like, ha, who, ho, yeah. hey, all the voices. Not only people, cats, cats, cats too. and pigs. <laughs> cats I and mean, pigs. Hire him. Hire this man. <laughs> so, so Claire, you know, she hears this horrible meowing and she slowly goes back to the closet. She's approaching the closet and then bam. She's attacked with that plastic bag. Major jump. And then we're downstairs with Mrs. Mack and the girls, and the girls have gifted her some new sleepwear, so they're laughing, and they don't hear this attack upstairs. Right at the the same moment. And at that same moment, the camera pans upstairs, and we see the shadow of a man carrying Claire's body into the attic. Also, very strong if you can carry a fucking person up. Like, literal vertical ladder up into the attic. Como se eso? How, how do you do this? No. How the fuck do you do this? Now, this is foolish, but very que- quickly, as like the girls are cleaning up, we see Mrs. Mack go to a bookshelf, and she says, B for booze. And she finds, she opens a book, and she has a secret stash of straight, straight sherry, sherry. <laughs> which she takes like a healthy, happy swig of. She fucking Gross. glugs she that shit, dude. She loves that sherry. Let's Ooh. go ahead and give um, Esqueleto uh-huh. de Señora Morales a shout out for also having sherry. Apparently, women yes. love fucking sherry. They love sherry. Well, it's sweet, right? Is it a sweet drink? Yeah, I think it's a, sh- it's a very sweet wine. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, no, no gracias. <laughs> so while Mrs. Mack is swigging her sherry, the phone rings again, and this time Phil picks it up. She's like, Jess, it's for you. It's Peter. So Jess... Jess gets on the line, and Peter, who is her boyfriend, is all, Oh, woe is me. I've been practicing the piano for four days straight. And Jess straight up says to him, Well, you still have to make time for me because I I need to talk to you face to face. So they agree to talk tomorrow. He says, I love you. And she says, I know. See you tomorrow. solo. She soloed his ass. (laughs) She legit solos him. So good. I love you. I know. I know. (laughs) Bye. I love Uh, it. I love her. I love her. So good. Now, very quickly, again, this is stupid, and who fucking cares? But I'm still going to say it. So we're in the bathroom with Sis's back. She's brushing her teeth. She pauses, opens up the the fucking lid of the toilet, and fishes out- Of the toilet uh, tank. Yeah, the tank. (laughs) We're like, not like the, you know, the bowl. But in the tank, she fishes out a bottle of sherry, takes a swig, which she 
swishes like mouthwash. Brother, por lo menos echa la... Put the bottle... Okay, primero, it's disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Se, segundo, fucking put that bottle in a Ziploc or something before you dunk it in it, the tank, ugh. ma'am. Oh, this whole moment, I, I mean... La Mrs. Mrs. I, well, Mac. I am Mrs. Mac, but that <laughs> is not me. Uh, next I time would... I go to your house, I'm going to ex- inspect your toilet tank to be like, Please are there do. secret bottles Where of sherry Where are your in here? treasures, Eileen? <laughs> <laughs> then Mrs. Mac says, looks in the mirror. She takes her glug. She looks in the mirror and she says, Jesus, I wouldn't wear this to have my liver out. And I was like, God, oh, dude, fucking classic. Picking a favorite line for this movie is tough. Tough. It was tough. real tough. Yeah. So now Jess goes to knock on Claire's door. I think because she was upset by Barb. I think she's yeah. just checking on Claire. But clearly there's no, there's no answer. And we get a horrible shot of Claire dead upstairs in a rocking chair. She's in the attic. She's still got that plastic Oof. around her face. But like Awful. it's so fucking good. Oh, it's so Because it's just, hello, are you here? And then boom, her face. And... How the fuck uh-huh. did they have that shot of that plastic bag like so deep in her mouth? Like you know how when you like if you were to inhale that plastic, it would go into like get sucked into her mouth. Into her mouth. And either they were like, "Okay, young actress, we're about to do this and we're it's going to be a 5 second shot. 5 4 3 2 inhale action." Yeah. Or they did some sort of movie magic where they're like, okay, girl, we're going to do figure it out. But it looks so good. Apparently, this actress was like, I was very, very good at holding still and holding my breath. So that's just her yes, bitch. nailing it. Okay. That's just her fucking okay, nailing girl. it. <laughs> and while we see, you know, poor Claire up here, we hear this creepy ass voice singing, little baby bunting. Daddy gone a-hunting, got to fetch a rabbit skin to wrap his baby Agnes in. I don't know if that's the correct melody, but it I mean, it was horrible. It was terrifying. It was the horrifying thing you've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it's the next day, and we meet an older, bald man. This is Mr. Harrison. This is Claire's dad. And he's hanging near campus. We see some... Fabulous 70s fashions in this quick moment. They're so good. And this poor old dude gets pelted by a snowball and he's got (laughs) he's helped up by like like this rather this rather brash young man. So Mr. Harrison says to this young guy, Hey, I was supposed to meet meet my daughter Claire Harrison here at 1 p.m., but she hasn't shown up. She's part of this sorority. And so the guy tells Mr. Harrison, Oh, I know which one you're talking about. This is how you get there. So we're at the sorority. We meet an angry Santa because the girls are hosting an event for kids to meet the Santa. You know what I mean? Ho, ho, fuck. (laughs) Ho, 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 shit. I guess he's pissed because that's Phil's boyfriend and Phil has agreed to go skiing with Barb and Jess instead of like hanging with him for Christmas. Right. So Mr. Harrison has arrived at the sorority house. He's meeting with Mrs. Mack and they're up in Claire's room looking at all these inappropriate posters which Mrs. <laughs> Mack is trying to cover up. I love her And the so dad meanwhile spots a picture of the guy Claire has been seeing that she's got on her little night table. Chris. 
yeah, Mrs. Mack says that's a guy from town. His name is Chris Hayden. And the father the father agrees to drive Mrs. Mack to the, fr- to the fraternity house where this Chris lives. So as Mrs. Mack is getting ready to go, all the while, of course, drinking her fucking sherry, she starts to hear Claude, the, the big floofy kitty, meowing Meow somewhere. Way. So with... May Half I... a lip on. Uh huh. Please. May... Before you continue. Yes. As she's putting on her half, half a of a lip, <laughs> she says the phrase because you know the dad is a little taken aback by all these posters and the way that these gals have been living in the sorority house. It's very yeah. judgmental. Very like I didn't pay big money so that my daughter will be hanging out with boys and being a fucking slut kind of thing. Dude, it's college. Come Hello. on. Hello, and Mrs. Mac, obviously being a house mother probably for several years, knows that these hoes are probably banging all the time. (laughs) And she's putting her half a lip and she goes, these broads would hump the leaning tower of Pisa if they could get up there. And I was like, Mrs. Mac, you're spitting the truth. Yeah. But you know she loves them too. Like it's just, it's said with so much love. Esta es la cosa de esta película, which... In trivia, we'll talk a little bit about it, but there is such Uh a strong feminist line in this film where Mm -hmm. it's young women owning their bodies, doing what they want, and having all these inept, incompetent, stupid men not understand or be able to put their shitty men shit aside to be good. And also this older woman, you know, it's not just the young women, it's this older woman represented as well as this like fun kind of crazy lady who clearly loves these women, but also is like... like she's cool like taking the piss out of them you know what I mean absolutely love she, it she, I just love it so much it's great it's fantastic Mrs. fucking Mac so she, so Mrs. Mac has got half a lip on <laughs> she goes to try to find Claude but she gives up and she goes off with Mr. Harrison and as they're leaving the house we get this the, the, the most upsetting shot of them walking away with Claire's dead face Oof. in the attic in the foreground of this shot horrible so meanwhile Jess has gone to speak with Peter and she reveals to him that what I'm she pregnant. wanted to talk about is I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant, Peter. Peter, I'm so pregnant. So Peter, who is a pianist, says, oh, that's fantastic. But Jess says, no, no, I don't want it. I want to have an abortion. And he says to her, you can't make a decision like that. You haven't even asked me. To which she replies, fuck I wasn't you. even going to tell you. So he then says to her, well, I want us to have a baby. You're in college, you stupid idiot. But she says she can't. So then he says, well, don't you ever consider anyone but yourself? But Jess insists. She says, I've thought it out and I know what I'm going to do. But so he starts to like make it all about himself. He's like, do you know how important this afternoon is to me? Because apparently he's got a big like piano recital showing thing, whatever. He's like, "Uh don't you think about anybody but... But yourself and literally the next sentence is like mm-hmm. well today was very important to me you to me fucking, t- yeah eat a dick Ooh. you fucking bitch and then he's like just leave and as she's leaving he says wait wait i want to talk to you tonight but she's like there's nothing to discuss i'm not, not gonna, gonna change, change my, my mind. mind but he's like you, we'll see we'll see fuck <gasps> you fuck you peter <sighs> okay All right, so we're back at the sorority. Barb is drinking, and also she is- Giving a kid! 
champagne. A small child some champagne, which the kid is delighted. That kid is, is delighted. And she literally is like, <laughs> I think he's schnockered. And then proceeds to continue giving him booze. Wow. What an asshole. All the while, Mr. Harrison is on the phone with his wife. He's telling her, don't worry, I'll, I'm going to go to the p- police if Claire doesn't show up and that he's going to stay there for the night. A bit later, the phone rings and Jess picks it up and it's that fucking horrible voice again. And it's, But this time it's like, Billy, what your mother and I must know is where did you put the baby? Where did you put Agnes, Billy, I, I cannot do this voice at all. It's just, do that, but times 10 worse. Just yeah. terrifying. Sweet. So Jess is all like, what the fuck? She hangs up the phone. We're at the campus police station, and in come Barb, Phil, Mr. Harrison, and they want to file a missing persons report for Claire. Yeah. And they're talking to this like doofus cop named called Nash, and they're they're Nash. just they just want him to do his job. Just file the fucking report. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mrs. Mack arrives back at the sorority house and she has a quick chat with Jess about Claire's dad being there and how he hasn't been able to find Claire. And then quickly, we're back at the police station. Barb tells Nash, because he asks her, like, what the phone number to the to the sorority house sorority is. Sorority house. She tells him, oh, it's fellatio20880, which it's played for laughs here. Yeah. But I'm also like, girl. This is serious. She again, another reason why I think she's a fucking asshole. This is serious. Give him the number. So we're at a hockey game with a spooky hockey mask, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> Jess comes in, and we see that this this hockey goalie is Chris Hayden, the dude that Claire has been dating. He's handsome. Oh, he's very handsome. It's this is the dude in the big bear coat. Yeah, Joe Montana. So Jess tells Chris about Claire, and Chris is like, look, I haven't seen her, and Jess tells him, Barb, Phil, Claire's dad, they went to the police station, but the police didn't take it seriously, and Chris seems pissed, which I appreciate. Yes. I love that she goes, they didn't take it seriously, and he asks, why? And I was like, well, because she's a young woman. And But this is the thing I will say. In a movie that feels to me, like you said, very, very feminist, there are a few men in this movie where you're like, yeah. thank you for listening to Jess and yes. being like, oh, what the fuck? Something's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is serious. Absolutely. We cut to Piatters. Pi- so we cut to Piatters. <laughs> we cut to... <laughs> Peter's piano concerto for three disapproving people. I don't know what's going on here. I guess he's auditioning for something. I don't know. Okay. Now, uh-huh. this may have to be a question for Matthew, uh-huh. your boyfriend, yes. fiance. Fiance. <laughs> My fiance. Because, now, I don't recognize this piece of music. And no. because it's so minor keyed, it genuinely, to me, sounded like he was just smashing fucking keys. La canción. Sorry, horrible. No, horrible, no pero it didn't. I this is a thought I had too, where I was like, it, clearly he just... he's fucking up, but I couldn't. Like I was like, okay, it sounds like a really dramatic, horrible piece of work, basically. See, I couldn't. But I tell do remember if, it was, if this is this was meant to be what it sounded like, or if he was like, if this, just if bang, he was like, bong, oh, yeah. boom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you remember when? Because we watched this together through yeah. FaceTime My first last time. year yeah. over your first time over Christmas, and we had such a good time. It was, yeah. you know, you were so surprised to discover how much you loved it, which loved I was thrilled it. by. Yeah. But I remember when we watched this because Matthew was with us; he was laughing 
out loud at this fucking part. So anyway, that's I just love it so much. So well, Peter fucks up, basically. V- yes. Very quickly, the reason Matthew was laughing, though, is because he has a strong feeling about actors playing yes. actual instruments yes. and how he's like... That's wrong. No, no. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Literally any time you're watching a movie with actors playing the instruments, he's like, no, they're not doing that. And I'm like, okay. It's a we movie. We get it. You We're play the cool. viola. We got it. All right. So this is where I wrote. I, the, throughout this movie, I'm like, cut your hair. Just cut your hair. <laughs> oh, my but God. But at this point, I was like, Peter. Cut your fucking hair, Peter. He's got like a Prince Valiant thing going I on. I loathe Oof, it. 70s. Okay, now this is horrible. So we're back at the police station, and there is a worried mother telling John motherfucking Saxon. Saxon! I mean, just what a guy, a legend. Yeah, he. This is Lieutenant Fuller. I just call him Fuller throughout the throughout my notes. And so this mother is telling Lieutenant Fuller that her 13-year-old daughter, who plays the clarinet, didn't come home after band practice this afternoon. Which it's hard. It's it's bone chilling. Oh, my God. And then, bam, in comes Chris Hayden in his big old bear coat, Joe Montana. (laughs) He's with Jess, and he demands to know why no one is doing anything about Claire. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And this, these two moments together, this this poor mother having to be like, my kid didn't come home. And then Chris coming in and be like, what the fuck, my girlfriend. What the fuck? This was peak for me like, oh, this is 70s cops. Like, mm. like literally John Saxon says something like, well, you know that she was going to go to rehearsal and that she usually come like, things kind of like time wise don't really work out and she, and the mom is like yeah but she was supposed to be home by noon yeah and it's like trust that the victims know what they're complaining about you know what i mean mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and but then back in the day that was their thing was like oh she she's probably at a friend's house or what they say to fucking Chris and Jess where they're like, oh, she, pro-, or to the dad of Claire, they're like, she's shacking up with her boyfriend somewhere. And it's like. Um, but it's nighttime now. It's night. And this yeah. girl isn't back. Yeah. I mean, come on. Okay. So we're back at the sorority house. Like I said, now it is nighttime and we're with Mrs. Mack, Mr. Harrison, Phil, Barb. Barb is drunk as fuck and she's talking all sorts of crazy bullshit And then she starts to have this freak out. And she's like, you think it's my fault? You think I drove Claire away? And if she's dead, it's my fault? Fuck you, Barb! Girl, her dad is right... Claire's dad is right there. This is not about you. Drink a glass of water. Brother, andate a costar. No... Por favor. Fucking like selfish bullshit. Not right now. Not, Not right, right now. now, you fucking Which is asshole. What Phil is like, you need to calm down. Yeah. Go to bed. So off Barb goes. Meanwhile, very quickly, pity party Peter destroys his piano. <laughs> Which. Wait. Pity uh-huh. party Peter. Pity perfor- party Peter. Perforates his piano. <laughs> <laughs> pity party people. Pu- pu- <laughs> Pity party Peter pummels his piano. Okay. Uh, Which, you know, my thought was, uh uh-oh, he's like raging. Yeah. Yes, he's unhinged. We're back at the sorority house. 
Chris and Jess drive up and they go in and they speak with Mr. Harrison. And then we get a shot of them speaking through a window. So we don't hear what they say, but they all leave the house in a huff. Mm -hmm. But before they can leave, Mrs. Mack stops Phil and she says to her, just so you know, I might not be here when you all get back because I'm going to go spend Christmas with my sister. Girl, no. No. This is the same as saying, I'll be right back. I mean, it sets it up perfectly. It's like, okay, if she's not there, nobody will worry. Okay. I know. So we cut to a police gathering by a park. It's nighttime. It's fucking freezing out there. And there's a search search party being sent out to find Janice, the missing 13-year-old, and Claire. Lieutenant Fuller is on a speakerphone, speakerphone saying, Janice most likely passed through this park on her way home. So the first thing we got to do is comb the park. Please assemble at your assigned post with an officer and, and a dog. Spread out. Follow the officer. And if anything is spotted, immediately report it to me so everyone goes off. We're back at the house and Mrs. Mack is packing up her stuff and, of course, drinking her straight sherry. <laughs> and we get this quick shot of Claude, the floofy kitty, up in the attic licking Claire's plastic bag wrapped face. It's my biggest fear that if I were to ever get a pet, if I were to randomly die alone by myself. Oh God, don't say it. Singularly, just me. Oh God. A single person (laughs) forever. (laughs) And then I fucking die and my pet has to like, or eats my face or body. This single shot probably like, Stoked so many fears. Absolutely. Single shot. So back downstairs, Mrs. Max cab has arrived, but then she starts to hear Claude meowing. And this meow, like I mentioned before, is super creepy because you know you can't quite tell if it's the cat, or I couldn't tell if it was the cat, or it's upstairs, or if it's this fucking creeper meowing. But also throughout this movie, there's constant like wind in the back and just like dogs barking off in the distance and it's just very spooky and unsettling yeah you know and then there's like creaks and stuff and she's looking up and i was like mrs mac don't the cat is not gonna make that strong of a creak i don't care how big and floofy claude is no no that is a person that's somebody upstairs so she does hear the hear this creaking so she goes to inspect So she goes to the hatch leading up to the attic. She begins to climb up the ladder. And as she opens the hatch, from inside the attic, we see hands holding something attached to a rope. Yeah. So Mrs. Mack is standing on the ladder. She's like halfway into the attic. And she peers around and she sees Claire's dead body. And as if she can feel someone behind her, she slowly turns around, and those hands we see are holding like a pulley and a a hook. hook. Yeah. Like a big ass hook. Why do they have that up there? (laughs) What the fuck is this for? I guess to like bring things up. No, no sé, pero. I guess, pero puta. Puta. What a horrible thing to have in your house. So this this person, the, the creeper, releases it, and we just hear a smash, and we get a quick shot of Mrs. Mack's legs being pulled up into the hatch, and we don't actually see see what happens to her. No. But later on, we do get a shot of her, like, hook that hook through the head. Through, like, yeah, through the side of her head. And so yeah. she's just hanging there, 
hooked. We hear her screaming and gurgling. And then from the attic, we see the prowler just watch the cab driver driver leave. And then this person has a fit, like a rage fit. Okay. Where they're just like throwing shit around. But the worst part is that they start to like rock Claire's body yeah. in the rocking chair. Oh, don't touch her blank. body. There is Oof. something. Okay. Obviously, we've heard many like deranged people's screams in these films that we yeah. watch. And we have had a lot of experience listening to people be enraged. Mm-hmm. Pero este tipo de gritadera, mm-hmm. este tipo de, de persona like can't it's because it's not verbalized screaming it's not like fuck shit motherfucker no No, it's just like non-verbal yeah and so it feels particularly evil yes because there is no it's just like "Ah, ah," and it sounds deranged and that's very scary throughout this movie some of the sounds even some of the the vocals from this person yeah. almost sounded like the exorcist kind yeah. of vocals to yeah, yeah, yeah. me. Like that that level. All right. So we're back with the search party and Jess says that she's got to get back to the sorority house because she agreed to meet with Peter, but then we hear a scream. So everybody goes to see what's going on and two women are looking at something and screaming. Mr. Harrison joins these women and he sees something. We don't see it, but you can tell he's clearly horrified. And here comes Janice's mother running up screaming, Janice, Janice. She sees this, her face contorts, and then we cut away. And it, I mean, it's it's just. I think this was a really smart move of this film in that tenemos la historia original like we have our a-line story which is like the girls the sorority and then they throw this mini wrench of like here's another murder that is a distraction Mm -hmm. from that stuff so the focus is over there so that the danger is stronger over here mi pregunta es Uh in the beginning when the girls get the first phone call Jess is like, it's him again, it's the moaner. So this phone call has happened before. Yes. Pero el hombre no entra, like the the man has just entered the house, right? Yes. Are we supposed to believe that he killed this little girl on his way to the house? That's, that this has mm-hmm. been maybe a place that he keeps calling and is being weird to. And then one day he decides, this is the night. It's Christmas. Yeah. I'm going to treat myself. So I'm going to go and kill these bitches. And then on the way, he sees a little kid and kills her. Is that what we're meant to believe or understand? I believe that, yes, this is that he did kill this young girl. Mm -hmm. And honestly, what you just said clarified some things for me, because it seems that because these women have been have been receiving these phone calls, that they have been targeted and stalked. For yeah. quite some time. Right. And for some reason, this is the night where... That propelled him that to go. He, that he's going to go and yeah. do what he's what he's doing. So we're back at the sorority house, and as Jess is returning, the phone rings. She picks up the phone, and again, it's that fucking craw- caller, and they're, like, gurgling and snorting, and they say, like, please stop, help me, Billy. And she's like, who are you? Why are you doing this? But then she hangs up. And we see a shadow just walking around upstairs. Horrible. Now, another Mm -hmm. thing that is very scary to me is when you have 
your monster, your scary person have that brief moment of I'm the problem and I, uh-huh. nothing can stop me. And this phone call, mm. he says, help me. You have to stop me. And that oh. is even more terrifying. It's a fucking nightmare where not even the person, it's themselves. Like, yeah. it's chaos within I mean, that person that sounds like straight up serial killer shit yes where it's like, i cannot stop oh myself my i'm gonna i need you to stop me because i am not capable mm. of it how many serial killers have we seen and heard of what they're like like fucking uh what's his name el gigante ed um, um ed kemper Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper had to call himself in. So many mm-hmm. people. Are fucking the Zodiac is like yeah. not stop really me. like help me, but there yeah. he's like hello. Like, I won't stop unless you so, stop me. Yeah. Oof, which is horrifying. Yeah. So Jess starts to make a call, and we see someone coming down the stairs behind her. Uh-huh. And Jess is calling campus security to report the obscene phone call, but then we just see it's Peter behind her. He scares the shit out of her. Peter's all pissed because she's late, and Jess says, well, Claire is missing, so I was out searching for her. And Peter says to her, oh, how noble. How noble. Fuck you. Fuck so, you. <laughs> fuck you. So she's still on the line trying to report the call. And on the other end of the call, we see that it's Nash at the police station. When he says the address of the sorority house out loud, which is 6 Belmont Street, we see that Claire's dad is at the police station and he's overheard Nash say this. And he's like, "Uh, hello, that's where fucking Claire lives. So, but when they try to tell Nash the connection, he's like, it's probably her boyfriend just playing a prank. Fuck you. Oh my God, oh my God. So back at the house, uh, Jess is telling Peter about the murdered girl and about Claire being missing. And Peter's all, look, I know you're upset, but let's talk about me, okay? I'm leaving the conservatory and we're getting married. And Jess's face is priceless right her (laughs) acting in this moment is so good so good because she just turns to him and then she's like let me explain something to you it's so fucking good also in the back did you notice that joy to the world was playing but it's like slightly off key no uh (laughs) creeps so jess says Oh, let me explain something to you. Remember when you told me that the that your greatest dream in life was to be a concert pianist and I told you all of my dreams too? Well, I still want to do all those things. You can't ask me to drop everything I've been working on, I've been working for and give up all my ambitions because your plans have changed. Be realistic. I can't marry you. Bam. Yeah. But then she she like ups it and she says, Peter, I don't want to marry you. And so he goes, well, what about the baby? Okay. This okay. moment, I was like, she's trying to let you off easy, dude. Because mm-hmm. he keeps, every time she says something, he the debate is, I'm doing this because of me. But what about this and this and this every time? And it made me think, like, when she finally says, I don't want to marry you, that's her officially being like, I can't skirt around this anymore. I've tried to sugarcoat it for you, but it just isn't making sense to you, fucking douche Peter. And it made me think of a Margaret Atwood quote. Because, and I quote, men are afraid that women will laugh at them 
women are afraid that men will kill them. So <gasps> it's yeah. it's a famous quote. It's it's a huge quote because it's very true. You it, like so many times women will not say the thing that is their truth, their reality or the thing that they want or need because of the fear of the reaction of the man. So here she is being like <laughs> No, I don't think so. No, I don't. Uh, no, but getting married, maybe not. But until you lay it out and then when you do, they become enraged and murder you. While men never have that fear because it's humiliation that is the fear that they have. When I saw this, when I watched this moment, when she said, Peter, I don't want to marry you. I just thought, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Exactly. What's he going to do? Precisely. Which is why I thought of that quote. I was like, he's going to slap her. Oh, yeah. That's what I was expecting. Oh, oh God. What is he going to fucking do? Yeah. So we're back at the police station. Mr. Harrison has spoken with Lieutenant Fuller about the connection between the calls at 6 Belmont Street and Claire being missing. So Fuller turns to Nash and says, a girl was murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the girls are getting obscene phone calls. Don't you think we should look into this, Nash? Yes. Yes. Hello. Oh, my God. Hello. So this, uh, again, like a moment with Chris Hayden at the top where he was like, why the fuck aren't the police paying attention? I appreciate this moment here where Lieutenant Fuller is like, we should look into this because this connection is a lot. Yeah. So they all thank Lieutenant Fuller. They leave. And then there's a brief laughing fit because they all discover fellatio, fellatio, blah, 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 which is a a nice little moment of levity, which I will say this horrifyingly dark movie has a lot of humor. Mrs. Mack, you know, Barb to a certain extent, this fellatio moment yeah. it's sprinkled throughout, which I mean is very much appreciated. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's felt and needed. We're back at the house with Jess and fucking pity party Peter. <laughs> and he says, you selfish bitch. You're talking about killing our baby as though you were having a wart removed. Oof. Because, you know, she wants an abortion. Yeah. He says, you won't be getting an abortion. So she tells him, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, to which bitch. he replies to her, you're going to be very sorry. That's a threat. That's a threat. Fuck you, you and sloppy so, hair dillweed. Nobody cares get a about your fucking face. <laughs> so as pity party Peter storms out, <laughs> Lieutenant Fuller, Phil, and lineman Bill Graham come in to speak with Jess. Line, lineman, like, I work with phones. I'm from the phone company. That's what I sure. mean. <laughs> and also, Lieutenant Fuller seems suspicious of Peter storming out. He's like, hmm, who's this? Well, could it be perhaps that his fucking dumbass is wearing a green turtleneck and then walks out into the Canadian fucking Nary winter? Nary a coat. Nary a coat. So Lieutenant Fuller asks for Jess's written permission to tap the phones. So she's like, cool, that's fine. So off goes lineman Graham. He begins to tap the phones while Jess and Phil take Fuller to check out Claire's room. Jess says that she was the last one to see Claire last night around 10.30. And Fuller, meanwhile, has seen an empty champagne flute. So he's like, was she drunk last night? And they're like, she hardly had anything to drink. She's fine. He says, any emotional problems? The girls say no. I mean, he's asking... The cop questions. He asks them if she was seeing anyone aside from Chris Hayden. They say no. Nobody saw Claire this morning, 
and all of the other girls are gone for the holidays. So they then lead him to Mrs. Mack's room to get a list of the girls who live in the house. And as he's looking at the list, he asks if anybody else has stayed behind for the holidays. And they tell him, you know, good old Barb, who's sleeping good off her. Good old drunk Barb. And he's like, oh, I remember her from the station <laughs> before when she made a drunk scene. So they regroup with lineman Graham. And Graham explains that when the phone rings here at the house, it will also ring at the police station. Graham will be at the phone company checking on the location of the source of the call. And he says, look, unfortunately, you have to keep the guy on the line for as long as possible for this to work. Sure. Graham asks, are there any other phones or lines in the house? And Fuller just kind of brushes this off. He says, there's another one in Mrs. Mack's room, but the girls haven't received any obscene calls on that line. So don't pay that phone any mind. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Don't do your job. Whatever you say. (laughs) So Lieutenant Fuller then shows the girls that he's got a cop outside in the patrol car watching the house, so they shouldn't worry, but they aren't. They, (laughs) Phil? Fucking Andrea Martin (laughs) turns around and she goes, sure. She was like, I know cops don't give a hot fuck about us. Uh, This is a very good moment here where she just turns and is like, yeah, sure. Ooh, okay. (laughs) All right. So Lieutenant Fuller and Lineman Graham leave and quickly we see Peter pop out from behind a tree. Again, zero nary jacket. a coat. Not a good sign. Back in the house, poor Phil begins to lose it because she can sense that Claire is dead. Oof. So Jess is trying to comfort her. Phil apologizes for crying and she says, I just need to go upstairs and rest. I'm not feeling well. Just let me know if there's any news. Yeah. Now we get this hideous shot of the prowler upstairs rocking Claire in Ugh, that rocking chair. But now he's horrible. placed a doll. Which is like, it's like he's treating her like she's a child. Yeah. It's so, this feels very serial killer-y to me. Unnerving. That specific choice. Right. And then literally right downstairs, Jess is sitting by the fire, just anxiously waiting to receive yet another obscene phone call, which is horrifying. And then back upstairs, we see the prowler leave the attic. I wrote, oh God, here he comes. So he goes into a room which has a bunch of glass figurines in it, including like small little figurines, but there is a unicorn head, bust Mm -hmm. basically, with a long ass horn. Very big horn. That horn on that (laughs) unicorn, wow, mazel tov. (laughs) What a powerful unicorn horn. And we get a POV shot of the Prowler watching Barb passed out. And then we hear a gasp. So Jess rushes in to check on Barb, who's having an asthma attack. Jess hands her her, her inhaler. And slowly Barb starts to calm down. And Barb says she had a nightmare that a stranger came into her room. Uh-huh. And again, we get a POV shot of the Prowler creeping away. The women are right there. Right there. And he can see them. Goddamn. So then Jess hears caroling downstairs and Barb seems to be falling back asleep. So Jess goes downstairs. She finds a group of caroling children outside. They're actually they're actually they're pretty good. good. It's just creepy. You're... They're like they like harmonize. They're good. Yeah. They're very good. They're just creepy as fuck. Christ so she opens the door. The Lord. 
hard. Um, so she opens the door and she's watching gleefully. And um, the Prowler takes this time to creep back into Barb's room. We get a little shadow action of his. Like we see a shadow of him approaching Barb. And his haircut is very similar in shape to Pity Party Peter. Yeah. And uh, you're just like, oh, like I literally, I wrote, I wrote, it's a pretty, that's a pretty floppy haircut you got there, Billy. I I was calling this man the Prowler, Billy, because that's what Well, here, uh literally right at this moment, he says, Agnes, it's me, Billy. It's all right, Agnes. And then Billy, who was our prowler creeper, yeah. he grabs the unicorn figurine, he lifts it above his head, and this is where we get that iconic black Christmas shot of his one eye lit up, but the rest of him in shadow. And also something I never caught before in the many times I've seen this film is when he pulls up the figurine from the side. We got a side shot where in the back you see a skull. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. So cool. So all of this, what's about to happen, is intercut with scenes of the carolers, which makes it 10 times worse. So Barb starts to come to, she starts to wake up, and then Bill starts to stab her and it's horrible fucked but i'm gonna say this this is beautifully shot oh it's so fucking good dude it's so good porque las manos ella slowmo pero ella también sube las manos para pararlo and then you see this like horrible i mean the ice or it's not ice it's glass but this piece that Uh he uses the the horn to stab her it's choreography. It looks like a dance. It's oh my gosh. fantastic. It's slow-mo. It's all dark. The only things that are lit are the hands with the the horn, like, lifting up with some blood on it. You see, like you said, Barb's hands kind of smashing the glass figurine still above her head. Right. It's horrible because you hear the stabbing and the gurgling and, Oof. like, her dying. But it is shot. Gorgeous. So fucking well. Yeah, it's so Damn. good. So as Barb is dying... Just downstairs begins to clap as the carolers finish, which is a horrible, what is the word, juxtaposition? No sé, pero uy. An old woman then runs up to the carolers and she says, Jean, get the children into the car. Because, you know, the park, the the murder of the poor girl in the park and everybody's freaking out. not wrong. I mean, like, why haven't you, I, I imagine that that news probably went, quote unquote, viral like very like i don't care how <laughs> clearly 70s it is. not quickly enough y, there are carolers in the dark la, children la mujer adulta that's supposed to like be cuidando estos chavalitos is like huh? gene <laughs> the mom and the gene this other mom is like there's a literal murderer <laughs> out there oh this is not funny at all but gene <laughs> get the fucking children in the car gene. So Jean is also such a 70s name. Absolutely. So meanwhile, Jess's phone starts to ring. So she goes inside to pick it up. And quickly we see lineman Graham at the phone station trying to locate the source of the call. Yeah. Jess picks up the phone. She says, hello. Hello. <laughs> and we hear moaning and screaming. And then quickly we see Lieutenant Fuller at the police station. He picks up the phone too because, you know, he can he, he can receive the call. The caller is saying a bunch of awful shit but specifically says just like having a wart removed which is what Peter said 
to Jess before. Jeez. So she says, oh my God. And then <laughs> the caller hangs up, but we see that Graham did not make it in time to locate the source of the call. So Fuller, Lieutenant Fuller calls Jess. He says, we didn't, we didn't find the source. You need to keep it on longer. So keep that man on the line longer. We then get a POV shot of somebody watching Jess at her house very quickly. And still on the phone with Jess, Lieutenant Fuller says, when you said, oh my God, on the phone, did you recognize something? But Jess says no. And I was like, girl, just tell him. Tell him. Tell him everything. Tell him. So Fuller says, did the caller use all of those weird voices and other calls? To which Jess responds, yes. Yes, he is a voiceover artist. Hire him for your next gig. (laughs) And then still, we see this POV shot of this person watching Jess slowly coming down the stairs, getting closer to her. Lieutenant Fuller then asks about the guy who left her house when he arrived earlier, Peter. And she says, oh, that's just my well now ex-boyfriend Peter and Fu- Full- and Fuller and Fuller says were you two having a fight but then there's a commotion at the station so he's like I gotta go I'll call you back there was a guy a cop got shot in the ass by a farmer Co- <laughs> Cop got shot in the ass. That's another moment of like humor that, yes. you know, another sprinkle where you're like, yeah. okay, I can take a breath now. Let me breathe. Yeah. Because this is a really stressful film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jess wakes Phil to tell her that she thinks it might have been Peter making the calls because the caller repeated word for word what Peter said to her tonight. I mean, it makes sense. And all the while, still, these women are being watched. Dude. It's like the thing, so, the thing is, us as a viewer, you have to keep remembering that these women don't know there's somebody in the house with them, which is so terrifying. It's so creepy. You have to keep reminding yourself like, oh, yeah, they don't fucking know, dude. It's so creepy. This this idea, this is, I'd say, like top three of my creep factors fear shit for me. Sure. Like I am I'm a person, not judge me if you will, listener, but I check my door like multiple times at night to make sure it's locked. Sure. If I'm feeling creeped, I will check the the closet. I will look behind like I will look through shit to be like I alien aquí? No? Cool. Now I can go to bed. Like I that so this idea is, is ho- just horrible. Ugh, yeah. So horrible. Okay, so the phone rings again. Just picks it up. Hello. <laughs> But this time it's Peter, and he's crying, saying, we can't kill the baby, just please, blah, 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 callate. <laughs> and meanwhile, Fuller gets a call from Graham, and Fuller's like, hey, Graham, trace the call from Peter. But unfortunately, Peter hangs up before Graham can locate the source of Peter's call. Lieutenant Fuller then calls Jess, and he's like, hey, 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 what was all that about? Please don't hide anything from me. It could be important, so please tell me. So she confesses, I'm pregnant, I don't want to keep the baby, and I told Peter about this today. Lieutenant Fuller says, Peter said, we can't kill the baby. That's a strange way of putting it. And this is my interpretation of what Lieutenant Fuller is trying to say. Mm -hmm. I think it's him putting two and two together that maybe the multiple voices from the obscene phone calls, like he thinks that this person might have split personalities. And that's why he says that about we we can't kill the baby or whatever Peter says. Right. You, right? That makes Maybe? sense. Yeah. Like that's his like police brain trying to like put, you know, put the puzzle together. Right. So as they're talking on the phone, we get like the shot that we have is of Jess on the phone with Phil facing her. And bef- behind Phil, you see a dark shadow creep up and li- again, literally right there. But the women don't see it. Ugh. And so Jess is like, oh, Peter's an artist. He's very 
very high strung, which I found hilarious. And Lieutenant Fuller says, was Peter with you any time, any of the times that you got one of these calls? And then Jess is like, holy shit, yes. He was here tonight when the first call came in. So Lieutenant Fuller's like, look, Peter's obviously upset about something, so I need to talk to this guy. Right. Click. Goodbye. At the police station, Lieutenant Fuller tells his partner to start a house-to-house search. And then quickly, we're back at the sorority house, and Phil is by the sink, and boom, a man's face pops I literally to the window. Screamed. Full jump, full scream. Yeah. So Phil, of course, screams. She calls for Jess, and they discover that it's two like guys from the, from the, the search town. Search party. Yeah, the search party. They're knocking on the door. They're like, we're we're so sorry to scare you ladies. We're part of the search party. Have Get you seen anything peculiar tonight? Yes, I've seen something peculiar. It's you two. You and my window, bro. What the fuck? But the, the girls are like, no, we're fine. So the guys are like, cool, lock your doors and windows. The girls shut the door. And then Jess says this to Phil. I still cannot believe this. She says to Phil, do you realize this this door right here in front of us that we just locked this is the only door or window in the whole house that is locked. It's the 70s, the 70s. Lock. Also, the minute that the cops, and the minute that you're feeling, like, you've been afraid, you've known your friend has been missing, you know that a girl has been murdered in the park, and still you haven't gone around that house to fucking lock every fucking lockable thing? No, brother. I still can't believe it. I <laughs> cannot believe it. So, Phil and Jess go off. They're locking doors and windows when Phil hears or notices that Barb's door suddenly closes nearby. Ooh. So she's like, what the fuck? So she goes up to the door. We see Barb's wreath. It has little booze bottles on Jesus. it, which hilarious, but also, girl, get help. Get help. <laughs> Phil opens the door. She goes into Barb's room. She says, Barb, are you awake? And then the door closes behind uh. her. And not not by her. It's very obvious that oh, no. she turns to look behind she the door something. right before it goes click. And you're just like, no, not Not Phil. Phil. I love Phil. Anybody but Andrea Martin. Please. And then very quickly, Lieutenant Fuller has gone to check for Peter. He goes to Peter's piano studio and he finds the, the demolished piano, piano from the tantrum. Yeah. So for, him, for Lieutenant Fuller, he's like, oh, check. Shit. Yeah. Here we go. So Jess, back at the sorority house, is continuing to lock doors and windows. Locking herself and... in. She's locking herself in with locking herself into the fucking house. Billy. Yes. And then we get a POV shot of someone picking up a phone in a dark room and making a call. And then the phone rings in the house. Jess answers it. And again, that voice saying like, you pig, you bitch, look at your little baby. And meanwhile, we quickly see lineman Graham. He's desperately trying to find the source hurry, of the call of the dude, phone company. Hurry. Go! <laughs> this part is awesome. You're just like, go, dude, go! Yeah. And then someone quickly comes to tell Lieutenant Fuller, still at the studio with a destroyed piano, that there's been another call. So he rushes off. Hurry! And then we're we're back with with lineman Graham among rows of like phone thingies you that are ringing and dude, clicking and go, whirring. Go, go, go. He he finds the box. He listens in. He hears the horrible voice. Bam! He fucking did it. So he rushes off, and then Lieutenant Fuller gets to his police cruiser. He listens in on the call on I think on his CB radio, yeah. right? Like he's got a CB radio breaker, there. Breaker breaker, breaker one nine. <laughs> <laughs> and then back at the phone company, lineman Graham 
I think CB radios Lieutenant Fuller, and he says, it's group 140, terminal 55. And then we're back with Jess at the house on this call, and then we see that dark room where this call is being made. The caller says some weird baby shit and hangs up the phone. So we're back with Lieutenant Fuller, and he gets a call from Doofus Nash, who says, the phone company has got the trace on the call. The calls are coming from 6 Belmont Street. And Lieutenant Fuller's like, dude, you got it wrong, Nash. That's where the calls are going into. And Nash says, no, no dude, I'm finally doing my job properly. Too, <laughs> sir, that's where the calls are coming from. So Lieutenant Fuller says, oh, oh shit. shit. He immediately calls Jennings, who apparently is the name of the cop on patrol outside of the house. He did. But then we get a shot of fucking <laughs> Jennings, and his throat is slashed wide yeah, open. Yeah, that motherfucker is Boof. hella dead. Oh, he's dead. So if the, so, if the calls are coming from inside the house, mira, yes. ¿cómo es que no vas a oír un hombre ahí arriba pegando grito la manera que este hombre estaba pegando grito? That is the catch yeah. in this movie. We're, We're choosing like, to ignore sure, that. They they do give us like a few things to be like, maybe this is why. Like there's a lot of coming and going yeah. where you're like, who's here, who's not? Yeah. Barb is drunk, yeah. passed out. Cool, I buy it. You might not hear it. And also, Phil, when she said she wanted to, to, to get some rest, she said that it was... Um, because she had a cold and she was taking medication that was knocking her out. Right. So I accept those two, but I think at some point Jess must have been at the house when there was some sort of bouya upstairs where she would have been like, "Yes, yeah, like what the fuck is that?" Even I'm pretty sure in this fucking phone call, he's not. I mean, there yeah. are quiet moments, but there are moments where he's loud. So de seguro, she's sitting there. She'd be like. Wait, she could like pull the phone and, and be hear like, it. Yeah, it's there. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's a movie, yeah. you know. But still, it's fine. It still works. Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, it's cool. Yeah, I yeah. buy it. I oh, so also BT dubs. Oh, I just I, I wrote down. I go, this movie and Scream really used phones for their advantage. Like one hundred percent, a phone yeah. to fully deliver fear. The those two movies did a great job. Nailed. With it. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. So then Lieutenant Fuller calls Nash back on the CB and he says, okay, listen, call Jess. Be calm, dude. Oof. Don't tell her about the calls coming from inside the house. Just tell her to put down the phone and walk straight out the front door. I'll be there in five. If you blow this, I'll kill you. <laughs> and I was like, what a setup. What a setup totally, right now. Totally. So we're back at the house with Jess. The phone rings again. It's Nash for Jess. He asks her if she's the only one in the house, and she says, no, Phil and Barb are asleep upstairs. So Nash says, do as I say, no questions. Put the phone back on the hook, walk to the front door, and leave the house. But of course, Jess is like, wait, whoa, whoa, what's wrong? Can you imagine receiving this phone call? <gasps> Holy shit. So Nash says, please do as I tell you. So she's like, no, let me just, I'll go get Phil and Barb. And he's like, no, Jess, no, don't do that because the caller is in the house. The calls are coming from inside the house. <laughs> just get out. Don't go up there. Oui. So, I mean, just fear to the pit the, of your stomach. The, your here. stomach falls out of your butt. Out of your body. Yeah. So we get this great shot of Jess as she just kind of like peers up the stairs as we hear Nash just screaming on the other end. And I literally just wrote, 
holy shit, this is scary. <laughs> I, I wrote, girl, get out. So Jess starts to scream for Phil and Bart, pero nada. And she's like desperately from the gut, just yeah. screaming. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even imagine like how scared you would be in this situation. Oh my God. But instead of running, she grabs a fire poker and she heads upstairs. She goes to Barb's room and she calls out, Bob, Phil, and she finds them all bloody in bed. And I'm going to say posed together. Oh, they were posed. They were absolutely posed. Again, serial killer touch right here. Yes, totally. And as she's like freaking out, looking at her friends dead here, she hears a voice saying, Agnes, it's me, Billy. And she peers up, and in the crack of the doorframe, she sees an eye staring down at her. That horrible voice says, don't you tell them what we did, Agnes, as the eye is like slowly backing away. But then badass fucking Jess slams against the door, clearly hurting this asshole because he screams out in pain and rage. Jess races downstairs. She tries the front door, but it's locked. She quickly looks back and she sees the killer running down the stairs. So she runs again, but the killer's hand reaches out and grabs her her hair. Her beautiful fucking 70s hair. And she is (laughs) yanked back. Oh, puta. It's, I mean, obviously we haven't seen this man yet. And so when he's run, when he's running down the stairs, all you see is like a shadowy foot coming down the stairs. Yeah. And then this hand pulling her hair, you're just like, oh, dude, you don't what see the, the face. And, and I just want to say, I just yanked my head back so far that my head, my headphones <laughs> popped out of my ears. Popped out of your ears. <laughs> and also he's doing again, that deranged screaming, that like nonverbal, where it's just not cool, bro. A nightmare. So Jess is pulled back by the hair. She falls to the ground. She gets up. She races to the cellar door. She's able to lock the door as Billy slams against the other side. And she's just standing there cowering in fear. And I said out loud, run, girl. Run. Run. Get the fuck. Because he's just banging and banging and banging against the door. But finally, the banging stops. And she hears footsteps walking away. And she hears a door open and close. Uh This is similar to that moment on the phone call where it's like, I'm going to kill you. It's it's similar because it's bang, 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 bang. Stop. Yeah. And then the footsteps walking away are the chillest, coolest, cucumber footsteps that you have ever heard in your life. And that's petrifying. Yes. Also, turn a goddamn light on, girl. Oh, my God. So she goes into this dark cellar. And when she's down there, she hears a voice creepily mumbling outside. And she sees a shadow kind of like skulking around the windows. And she watches as this figure walks around the house just barely visible through the cellar windows. But then she hears, Jess, are you all right? And she sees through a dirty window that it's Peter outside peering in through one of the windows. So we get this great zoom-in shot, close-up shot of Jess, but there's a pocket of terror next to her, and I was ready for something to come out. Yeah. Spoiler alert, doesn't happen. (laughs) And she just kind of, um, she kind of goes to hide in the darkness as Peter kicks in and smashes a window and he comes into the cellar. So once in the cellar, he's walking around, he's looking for her, he's calling out as she's just like continuously retreating into the dark. And finally, Peter finds her cowering in the dark and he slowly approaches her. 
Just then the police arrive and we hear screaming coming from inside the house. Oh my God. So the police break in and they go into the cellar and they find Jess all laid out with the fire poker in her hand and in her lap is Peter all bloody and Some bright dead red. With his eyes open. Bright red blood. <laughs> bright red blood. <laughs> and Lieutenant Fuller is there. He calls out to Jess and slowly she wakes up. So she's alive. Thank goodness. We then cut to a shot of Jess asleep in bed, and we get a lot of voiceover stuff here because the shot is just basically continuously on her right. asleep in bed. We hear Lieutenant Fuller saying, I knew in my gut that it was that kid, meaning Peter. Yeah. He must have made a call after each murder. And then we hear a doctor say, Jess is under, but and she'll probably be out for at least four hours, so she's been medicated. Yeah. Lieutenant Fuller says, well, her folks are on their way. They should be here in a couple hours. The doctor says cool i'll stay with her till then and by the way you probably won't get much out of her till tomorrow in her condition right then all these fucking reporters arrive and we hear a commotion so lieutenant fuller goes to calm down that situation and then we see that mr harrison is in the room with jess and he passes out i'm assuming just from like shock exhaustion and shock so the doctor goes to check on mr harrison who's just passed out and he's like we need we need to get this guy (laughs) to the hospital so he gets somebody to help him take mr harrison downstairs so now the doctor is gone lieutenant fuller is gone to deal with the reporters and we can hear fuller like as he's leaving saying nash see that everyone finishes up let's get shit wrapped up So Nash starts to clear out the rest of the people out of the house. So that's Lieutenant Fuller gone. Nash and the rest of the cops gone. The doctor is gone. Mr. Harrison is gone, leaving Jess alone, which is insane. a terrible idea. It's insane. What are you doing? Why is she not in a hospital right now? What are we doing right now? What are we doing? Right. Why is she not in a hospital? Why is she not in a hospital, you fucking idiots? What the fuck is going on here? (laughs) So we see her asleep in bed. All the lights are turned off. Everybody leaves. And the camera pans away. We get a quick stop on Barb's bloody stripped bed. And then the camera keeps slowly panning away toward the ladder leading into the attic. And we start to hear giggling I just want to and creaking. point out that as we're panning and yeah. looking into these rooms of these dead girls, we're passing over past sorority sisters' pictures. Mm-hmm. And in these pictures on the wall reflected on them are the Christmas lights. And at this moment, you remember, holy shit, this is a fucking Christmas fucking movie. This is a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) You just forget because it's horrifying. It's It's so scary. And so we hear that giggling and creaking and we hear that same horrible rabbit song as before. Little baby bunting. Whatever. And the hatch opens. We then get a shot from inside the attic of Mrs. Mac dead with a hook in her face and hanging and poor Claire still wrapped in plastic. So nobody even look that that to me is maddening. Insane. Maddening. They didn't check the attic. Guys. They didn't check the attic. Do your fucking job. So before when Mr. Harrison passed out, I was like, oh, it's because they discovered the daughter. But he. No. No. He doesn't know that he she. He, I'm know. sure at this point he assumes. Also, by the way, he doesn't know. The only the first time in, in throughout this whole film where his daughter has disappeared, where he actually shows some sort of emotion or reaction to the fact that his daughter is missing, because this whole entire film he's like, uh-huh. oh, 
by the way, my daughter isn't around. It's like, can you fucking be a parent, you fucking dick? Anyway. I mean, he is pretty good. Like, he is, like, very, like, going around, going to the police station. He is just very, like, he seems very, like, puritanical. I know. I like, guess this is reserved, a stoic, but like, reserved father. Bro. But here, this is his breaking point where he passes the fuck out and he doesn't even he still doesn't even know no. because they, that she's because they didn't even check the whole the fucking attic. goddamn house <sighs> they didn't check the whole house okay all right so <laughs> we're here so there's poor mrs mac dead there's claire dead we hear oh, so creepy agnes it's me billy and then the camera slowly zooms out from the house into the cold winter night outside the house there is a cop yeah. standing guard completely unaware of what's going on inside. The phone starts to ring, which the cop ignores. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then the credits start to roll over this final shot, and the phone ringing gets louder and louder and louder. You know what? They could have done it Uh the other way around and have the movie fade out with the call, but I think making the phone ring and have it be louder and louder is so much more effective. Yeah. Nobody picks it up. The cop does not go in to pick it up. Wow. Well, anyway, fin de la película. And we never <sighs> discover yeah. who Billy is. Which we, is We don't know exactly what happens to Jess. No. Nope. We don't really know. Yeah. When I it's pretty when, pretty amazing. When we first watched this movie, that ending blew me away. Yeah. Cause I was like, this film from nineteen seventy fucking six. Four, six? Four. Four. Mm-hmm. Nineteen seventy four mm-hmm. really left us there fearing for our lives, not knowing who the fuck is in the house with you. It's yep. so fucking good. I it's so good. love this movie. Me too, girl. I fucking love it. Let's get into some trivia. Yes, let's talk about some <laughs> trivia. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit of about everything and a little... Uh, we're going to go for it. And right now we're in the IMDb, trivi- IMDb trivia section because they got some good stuff. And I'm yeah. going to, right off the bat, talk about how in 1986, Olivia Hussey met some of the producers for the film Roxanne, which I used to be obsessed with. I have a strong attachment to early 80s Steve Martin. Okay. And she was in talks to maybe be in it. And since they were interested in casting her for the role, she met with Steve Martin. And Steve Martin Mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, Olivia, you were in one of my all-time favorite films. And she thought that probably he meant Romeo and Juliet because she was uh-huh. in that old G old timey movie. She was Juliet. Yeah. And she was incredibly surprised to find out that he was actually talking about black Christmas, which is wow amazing. And then Steve Martin said that he had seen it around 27 times, which Holy shit. <laughs> which is fantastic. Which at the time yeah. is a lot. I wonder how many it's at now. Dude, Holy shit. I wow. love that about Steve Martin. That's amazing. So Roy Moore, who wrote the script, he says that he was inspired by some actual murders that took place in uh, Montreal uh, around the Christmas mm. season, along with the urban legend, the babysitter and the man upstairs. So I Googled Oof. this urban legend just to see what's up. And Wikipedia says it dates back to the 1960s about a teenage girl babysitting children who receives phone calls from a stalker who continually asks her to, quote, check the children. 
The basic story has been adapted a number of times in movies, but apparently the 1950 murder of teenage babysitter Janet Christman Christman, Mm -hmm. is commonly cited as the source of the legend. Oh, God. So, you know, she's babysitting, she's watching television, she gets a phone call, check the children, and there's different versions in that Sometimes she lives, sometimes she dies. Mm -hmm. One of them is she calls to check the parents, uh, or that the parents call to check in, and the babysitter says, do you mind if I cover the clown statue in the little boy's room? It's freaky. I I don't love it. And they're like, Uh "Uh, we don't have a clown (gasps) statue. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And And that's the killer in the boys' room, which I was like, I read that and I was like, holy shit, that's fucking awful. Um, that's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. There's another one where at the end of the, the legend, it's years later, the babysitter is now an adult and has a family of her own. And one evening, she and her husband go to have dinner. And while they're out and have a babysitter of their own taking care of the children, the evening is going well and the waiter approaches and says that they have a phone call and the woman answers and in the phone the voice says did you check the children and that's the end of oh, <laughs> which is horrible god so that's the urban legend have you ever seen the movie when a stranger calls no oh we got to watch it great let's do that the composer of the film score carl zitter started uh, stated in an interview that he created the film's mysterious music by tying forks combs and knives onto the strings of the piano to warp the sound of the keys cool yeah so every just t- like you were saying yeah because it's like which is very cool <laughs> phantom of the opera over here yes <laughs> bing bong 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 uh i'm just gonna say some fun things about the casting great bob clark my uncle uh, <laughs> he sought out kier dulea dulia uh, who played the role mm. of Picky... Pity Party Peter? Pity Party Peter. Pity Party Peter. Uh, Petty ba- Pity Party Peter. That's a good one. <laughs> Based on his performance in uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, which I will reveal have never seen. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> the role of Mrs. Mack was offered to Betty Davis, who declined it. Amazing. I know. Oh Honestly, sorry, Betty Davis. I don't know if you would have done a better job than fucking this beautiful, beautiful woman. Yeah. Gilda Rad was offered the role of Phyllis, which is very exciting and fun. And Nick Mancuso, who was the voice of Billy on the phone, says that during recording, he uh, he stood on his head during some of the recording sessions to compress his thorax and make his voice sound more demented, which is Damn, very cool. That is commitment. Yeah, for sure. Rumor, legend, myth. Uh has it that Elvis Presley's favorite horror movie and his tradition was to watch Black Christmas every Christmas. Wow. Further rumors say that his family kept this tradition, but if this is true, Elvis would have celebrated this quote-unquote tradition a maximum of only three times before his untimely death in 1977. So who knows? Honestly, I could totally make watching this movie a Christmas tradition. Absolutely. Okay, so NBC scheduled this film for its primetime network debut on January 28th, 1978, under the title Stranger in the House. Mm. 
On January 15th of 1978, two female students at Florida State University were murdered by an assailant who broke into their sorority house where they lived. Three other young women in the immediate vicinity were attacked and assaulted, and NBC received numerous pleas from locals to pull the movie from broadcast in light of these crimes, and after first stating that they would offer the local affiliates an alternative movie to broadcast, they decided to just pull the plug on the movie altogether. The perpetrator of these crimes at this Florida State University was later identified as serial killer Ted Bundy. I mean, that's what I was saying, that this shit was happening. It was real. 70s, they're (sighs) fucking monsters. Scary. Very quickly, I just want to name some other movies that Bob Clark has directed, which I think it's just, <laughs> it's so funny to me, uh, <laughs> the different shit that he directed. Well, he directed Porky's 1 and 2, which is Classic. hilarious, Kim Cattrall, <laughs> and also the guy who played Chris in this movie, he's actually in Porky's as well, so uh-huh. that makes sense. Um, he also famously directed A Christmas Story, which is holy shit! <laughs> so oh my crazy God. Oh my God. to think of. <laughs> Two Christmas movies that could Any not be different. Oh yeah, holy crazy. Shit. Um, wow. He also directed. <laughs> He also directed Rhinestone, which is a film that stars Dolly Parton and (gasps) Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. How have I never Uh, heard of this? They cover Rhinestone on uh, How Did This Get Made? And it's fucking brilliant. So amazing. There's some crazy movies that Bob Clark directed. He unfortunately died in a horrible car accident in Ooh. 2007. Uh, him and Shit. his youngest son passed away. The driver. Oh, oh god. Yeah, Rest the driver was horribly inebriated and uh, poor thing. Oh my god, that's awful. Let's talk about John Motherfucking Saxon. Uh, yeah. I found a great article on Gizmondo.com that says celebrate John Saxon who we lost this uh, in 2020, may he rest. Mm. Um, But it says, celebrate John Saxon with eight of the B-movie legend's most memorable genre roles because, bless the guy, he has been in every single fucking genre there can be of films. I love it. So, obviously, number one, Nightmare on Elm Street. You gotta. Hello. How can you not? Number two, John Saxon was a huge giallo film actor. He Amazing. moved to Italy and at, there was a time where like work was getting hard to find because he's a young actor. He started really young, a teen uh-huh. idol, if you will, wow. um, in Hollywood. And then work kind of like fell apart and he moved to Italy and was in a bunch of fucking Worked. giallo films. Yes. I love it. One of them being... Ten, tenebre. Tenebre? Tenebre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is Dario Argento's 1982 Giallo film. Holy shit. And he's also been in a, a, a few other ones. The Evil Eye, which is also known The Girl Who Knew Too Much. La Ragazza Che Sapeva Troppo is the name sapeva of that Sapeva Troppo. <laughs> in Italian. He was a highly trained martial artist, so you know that motherfucker was in Enter the Dragon with Bruce fucking Lee. <laughs> Amazing. We got Black Christmas, obviously. Fantastic. 
He also was in another horror film called Cannibal Apocalypse. Hmm. Apparently in the 80s, there was a huge surge of cannibal films. So there you go. Sure. He was in one of those. He also had uh, some really great TV credits, including Starsky, Starsky and Hutch, The Six Million Dollar Man, Dynasty, Fantasy Island, and The A-Team. Amazing. But he also had, uh, this is Gizmondo saying this, but I guess he had a guest star in the episode. It's a two-part episode called The Feminum Mystique, which was in the first season of Wonder Woman. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Classic. Very cool. And very quickly to finish this off, I want to talk about abortion in Canada. Oh, wow. Okay. Abortion in Canada. This is Wikipedia, BT dubs. Abortion in Canada is legal at all stages of pregnancy, regardless of reason, and is publicly funded as a medical procedure under the combined effects of the federal Canada Health Act and provincial health care systems. Wow. While some non-legal barriers to access continue to exist, Canada is the only nation with absolutely no legal restrictions at the federal level to access abortion services. Hence the Holy reason shit. why wow. Jess can call the cops and be like, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant and need an abortion. Mm -hmm. Formally banned in 1869, abortion would remain illegal in Canada law for the next 100 years. But in 1969, the Criminal Law Amendment Act legalized some abortions as long as a committee of doctors certified that continuing the pregnancy would likely endanger the woman's life or health. In 1988, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled R versus Morgan Taylor that the existing law was unconstitutional and struck down the 1969 Act. Mm. The ruling found that com criminalization of abortion and legal restrictions violated a woman's right to, quote, life, liberty, and security of the person, guaranteed under Section 7 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms established in 1982. So, you know, let's all move to fucking Canada. Even wow. Though... <laughs> what a timely movie. I mean, at all throughout the years, but right now, holy yeah. shit. Holy freaking shit. Wow. So that's a little bit of my trivia for you. I love it. All right, let's see what I've got here. So, like you said, this movie was supposedly based on some actual murders. Mm -hmm. So I found this from Wikipedia. Inspirations for the film came from the urban legend known as The Babysitter and the Man Upstairs, which is what you talked about, which was widespread during the 70s. However, Moore, Roy Moore, the screenwriter, claimed to have been inspired by a series of murders that occurred during the holiday season in the Westmount area of Montreal. As noted in an article for The Telegraph, the murders, which occurred in 1943, were perpetrated by a 14-year-old boy <gasps> who bludgeoned several of his family members to death. Oh. Now, I didn't find anything about that, but other articles that I found said that the movie was based on, a, on different murders, and this okay. is what I found about that. So let's learn a little bit about Wayne Bodden, a.k.a. The Vampire Rapist. Now, trigger warning, it's awful. Oh, boy. So he was a 26-year-old charming young man from Montreal who always left bite marks on the breasts of his five female victims. I've heard All of victims... this. I've heard of this murder. Yeah. Go. All victims <laughs> had been found naked and strangled, strangled to death in their apartments, but there were no signs of any struggle, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Investigators looked into who the girls had been dating and the name Bill kept coming up. He was convicted of mul- of multiple life sentences through forensic odontology. I don't know how to say that word. Odontology, sure. For your, the teeth. Yeah, the dentist was able to demonstrate 29 points of similarity between the bite marks on the breasts and Bowden's teeth. Ugh. So uh, just out of respect to the victims, I thought I'd mention who they were. They were Shirley Audette, who was 20, Marielle Marielle, I suppose, because this was in Montreal, Archambault, Archambault, who was also 20, Jean Ray, 24, and Elizabeth Porteous, 33. There isn't a fifth victim, which is interesting because it said it was five, but those are the four listed here. Apparently, this is who this movie was based on. And just so you know, he was sentenced to four life sentences in prison on February 16th, 1972 and he died in prison on march 25th 2006 good goodbye let's talk about olivia hussey very quickly okay the our stretchiest stretch that <laughs> we've ever stretched stress. i mean we gotta we gotta link this to latin america in yes. some some way so, <laughs> so she is latina so hussey was born olivia osuna on 17th of april 1951 in buenos aires argentina the first child of argentine opera singer slash i wrote tango singer andres yes. osuna who performed under the stage name Osvaldo Ribó and Joy, nay Hussey, a legal secretary originally from England. So let's talk very quickly about the dad, Andrés, a.k.a. Osvaldo Ribó. He was born with the name Andrés Bartolomé Osuna in the city of Victoria, Entre Ríos province in Argentina, 450 kilometers northwest of Buenos Aires (laughs) by boat, Upstream of the Paraná River. Oh, Paraná. Yeah. He was the sixth of ten siblings. Holy shit. Dang. So I looked him up on YouTube and Spotify. You can find his music, and it is lovely. Highly recommended. Amazing. But look up look up um, Osvaldo Ribó, because Clever. that was his, his stage name. Yeah. Okay, so back to Olivia. <laughs> she began acting professionally as an adolescent. She appeared in the 1966 London production of The Prime of Miss Jean Brody, opposite Vanessa Redgrave, which is Whoa, fancy holy as hell. fucking shit. This led to her being scouted for the role of Juliet in Franco Zeffirelli's 1968 film adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. She received widespread acclaim for her mm-hmm. performance. In 1974, she appeared as the, lead, as the lead character Jess Bradford in the cult slasher film Black Christmas, which we just watched. This role, along with her subsequ- subsequent horror films, earned her the title of Scream Queen. Well-deserved. Yes, girl. She has also appeared in Psycho 4, The Beginning. (laughs) And this is what I remember her from. She was in Stephen King's It, the TV movie. Who was she in that? With Tim Curry. She was Audra, uh, Bill's wife, his actor wife. Oh, shit. Yeah. I I remember watching it as a kid, and I was like, God, that woman is so beautiful. That's fucking Audra. Wow. That's that's what I remember her from initially because I had seen the TV movie It version before I saw Black Christmas. Right. So in addition to screen acting, Hussey has worked as a voice actress, providing various roles in multiple Stars Wars video games. Wait, including, who? <laughs> in, I don't know who, but including Stars Wars. Stars Wars? Yeah, the second time Did you I said Did I say it. Stars Wars? Yeah. 
Hold on. In addition to screen acting, Hussey has worked as a voice actress, providing voice roles in multiple Star Wars video games, including Star Wars Rogue Squadron, Star Wars Force Commander, and Star Wars The Old Republic. Now, interesting. I found some IMDb trivia like you did, too. Mm -hmm. And I found this one that I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. It says here, though some critical evaluations of the film interpreted the subplot with Peter and Jess as a feminist statement that Mm. defended a woman's choice to have an abortion, while also pointing out that this film came out a year after Roe v. Wade, Bob Clark and Olivia Hussey have dismissed such evaluations and claimed that the subplot was politically neutral and not meant to promote any pro-life or pro-choice message. Listen. To each their own, though. Yeah, sure. You know. I mean, I feel differently. I agree. You know? Like you can, uh, you don't have to like fully be punching us in the face with your message. Mm-hmm. You, you could probably even be making a full film without believing there is a message there, and eventually it'll come out. And this movie is absolutely, totally such a feminist movie. Well, to go off of what you just said. Also in the IMDb trivia, it said a strict rule that Clark had set for himself when it came to writing the female characters was to never objectify them sexually or give them nude scenes. He wanted the college girls to come off as real people and not disposable horror characters waiting to die, which, I mean, that is a statement in and of itself. Absolutely. He wanted to present these as like actual, complicated, real human beings with actual issues in their lives. Yes. You know? the so. the shot alone of them of him panning over each one of those girls faces while they're hearing that first phone call mm-hmm. just says that that's proof in the pudding like he is yeah. making sure that everybody sees each one of these women's faces and how Look at these women. this is affecting them yes i mean bob uncle bob you could say whatever the fuck you want you a feminist bitch come on <laughs> listen we did see you, you did you make porky and was Porky's very offensive? Absolutely. Pero eso no quiere decir nada. <laughs> anyway, that is my trivia for today. Lovely. Let's ask you and me some questions. Mm-hmm. Great, Jonathan, were you scared? 100% yes. A this movie is terrifying. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, what was your best scare? Honestly, I'm having trouble picking, <laughs> but too. I will... I will give it to uh, Claire in the attic in the rocking chair with Billy rocking her mm-hmm. back and forth with the little doll where he's like whispering and crying, but you can't hear exactly what he's saying. Creeps for days. Yeah. What about you? I mean, again, also very hard. That's horrifying. I think the eyeball reveal the Ugh! first time we yes. see the eye is absolutely horrible. But I'm just going to go ahead and say that the scariest part of all of this for me were the phone calls. The the phone calls just Nick Mancuso. Goddamn, like he nailed. Yeah, those phone calls were, I think, the scariest fucking part for me. Yes. Who was your favorite character? I got to give it to Jess. I think she's a great heroine. She's a wonderful, strong, complicated, smart tough final girl what happens to her is left kind of you know open to you to decide what happens but she nailed she gave us a great performance I believe her yeah I like her 
Jess, all the way. What about you? Mine is Mrs. Mac. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to say Mrs. Mac. Mrs. Mac, but I will give it, I'll give a shout out to Jess too. I think she is, I think final girls often, like, you get a moment where they kind of give them, like, oh, you're kind of a dummy, or like, oh, you should know better. And it's, you don't get that with Jess, I don't think. Even her um, going upstairs with the fire poker where you're like, run out the door. Even yeah. that, I'm like, you're not willing to leave your your girls alone. Yeah. I yeah. respect you. Agreed. I, I, I mean, dangerous. Maybe but not still. the smartest choice, but I respect you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Wow. What was your best line? You can't ask me to drop everything I've been working for and give up all my ambitions because your plans have changed. Be realistic. I can't marry you. Jess to Peter. I just the best. fucking love it. So good. What about you? So good. These broads would hump the Leaning Tower of Pisa <laughs> if they could get up there. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. That yes. is, uh, I mean. I relate. God bless, God bless her. God she, bless you, Mrs. Mack. rest, Mrs. Mack. Uh, what was your best death? I got to give it to Barb. That slow-mo, horrifying death sequence, that's got to take it. What about you? Claire. That first fucking Oof. bag over the face. Yes. The bag yeah. over the face and just having to keep going and seeing that fucking mouth open with the oh. plastic inside. Claire, yeah. all the way. Mm. Did you learn anything? Uh, No, I don't think so. Did you? Not really. No. 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 And how many ooys do you give this movie? Fuck it. Five. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm just going to say this is a classic and it deserves it. Sure, there might be some issues here and there. Blah, blah, blah. I love this movie. It's actually genuinely scary and good. Five. What about you? Absolutely. Five, <laughs> dude. There is no fucking way I can't give this movie five. You get horror, actual horror, real mm-hmm. fear. You got fucking uh, 70s outfits all the way. All I want to do is wear all those clothes. Hell fucking yeah. feminism. It's all mm-hmm. I ever want in my life. Fucking five. There is no way. Christmas movie every year. I don't I, listen. I'm following Elvis's footsteps, whether that was real or not. <laughs> we're we're gonna continue that tradition. Black Christmas yeah. every year. Mira, and you apparently have to... Steve Martin's tradition. So, exactly. And listen, it's a Latino movie. I don't care what anybody says. Esta película oh, es Latina. Es Latina. No me Latina importa. all the way. All the way. We claim it. So, we claim we it. We claim it. Support Latino. <laughs> No film. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, wow. What a wonderful, wonderful, horrible film. Oof, but yeah. we're feeling extra Christmassy now. So we sure are. Uh, let's head on out of this sorority house <laughs> and um, go check our attics to make sure there isn't something weird oh, up oh there. My God. Have you Oof. checked the children? Ah, <laughs> thank you all for being here with us. Uh, I believe. Next week is Christmas. If you yeah, celebrate, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, we have already passed Hanukkah, pero mm-hmm. happy Hanukkah if you Anything are. Anything you might celebrate. Cualquier cosa. Si te gusta comer una pizza on fucking Christmas, why not? Por favor. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on our redes sociales at Uikiorror on Instagram and Twitter. And send us an email at Uikiorror at gmail.com. Send us a holiday note. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> just tell us, uh, just whatever you want, just send it to us. Thank you to Sonoro. Feliz Navidad, Sonoro. We love you very much. Uh, Gracias. You can follow them on Instagram and Twitter at Sonoro Podcast. 
if you're in the DC area, go see uh, Christmas Carol with Jonathan Atkinson, starring as Bob Cratchit. Come with Eileen. She's gonna. She's I'll be gonna there. Come see I'll it. be there on the twenty third. Um, Yay! If you have a scary murderer in your house, carry your fire poker, but also get the fuck out of there. And please, for God's sake, I mean, even though you might be trapping yourself in, lock your doors and <laughs> lock windows. your doors. Lock your doors and windows. Oh my God! And if you have a shitty musician boyfriend. <laughs> Tell him to fuck off. Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> I love my musician boyfriend. Yes, he's, he's only sometimes shitty. You, you but got aren't a, we all? You got a good one on your hands, uh, Johnny. I love you very much, and I can't wait to spend Christmas with you. Uh, Me too. I fucking love you, dude. I fucking love you too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.